This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. When our guest was in the Philippines on his first ministry experience in the field, he said, I saw for myself that this ministry provided God's word in a way that was understandable and led people to salvation in Jesus. Today, we are talking about the organization, the Bible League. My special guest is Yos Snoop, the president and CEO of the Bible League. Born, raised, and educated in the Netherlands, in 2005, Yost joined Bible League as a fundraiser in his homeland. He went on to serve as manager of the Netherlands office and staff, national director of the European region, and in 2012, as executive director of the EMEA, Europe, Middle East, Africa division, then as executive vice president of operations and today as president and CEO of Bible League since 2016. Yost is known for his inspiring leadership, energy, focus, clear direction, work ethic, business acumen, ability to build relationships, and passion for ministry. With strategic plans for ministry growth, he and his team approach each day with prayerful hearts and a godly vision. He says, we want to engage more people in God's word so that more will find new life in Jesus Christ. He further says, I count every opportunity I have to interact with our donor partners as one of my greatest joys. It is a blessing to know that they, like us, want people to not just have a Bible, but to read and study it so that they and understand God's word and believe. Yos and his wife and four children now reside in Northwest Indiana. So Yos, welcome to the Voice of Leadership and to Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Karen. It's a, an incredible pleasure to be here. It's an incredible pleasure for me to have you here because I don't know if the audience knows or not. I am truly a fan and proponent of the Bible League. So thank you for joining me and for being here to tell people a little bit more about the ministry. Great. Yeah. Thanks for being part of the League. We really appreciate your support, your personal support, and uh, as part of this mission. Absolutely. I really believe in what you're doing. So I know there's some people out there, Yos, who probably don't know about the Bible League and your mission and vision and what you do. So let's start there. Let's tell people about the Bible League. Yeah, you know, you you worded it really well in the beginning. It's uh, our vision is to engage everyone in God's word. It's not just giving the the Bible away. It's helping them to open it up and to engage in the word of God. So our heart is to equip the local church, um, mostly churches that have trouble in getting their own resources, their own training, come alongside as partners and help them to engage others in the Word of God. So we provide the Bibles, we provide the study materials, we provide the training and just the resources they need to participate in this great work. You know, Yos, you were saying something about providing not only the Bibles, but instructional materials and training. Say a little bit more about that and a little bit about, I'm sure this is part of the answer, what makes you distinctive or different from other ministries out there who also provide Bibles to people in their own language? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of great ministries out there that uh, do work around the, the Word of God, and, and we are one of them, and, and it's our heart, it's our passion to provide uh, materials that, that really help people to open up the Scriptures. And so it's study materials with, with guided questions, it's other exercises that people can do to really get into the Word, and not just by themselves. Really, all most of our material is written in a way that it is done either in, in a one-to-one relationship or in a small group setting, in a group setting. So there's the whole community aspect of the Christian faith integrated in our material. 
I really like the word you used earlier about engage in the scriptures because all of those study questions are part of that. Also interacting with other people in a small group format is part of it as well. I know that one of your programs is called Project Philip. Tell us a little bit about that and how it works. Yeah, so Philip, the uh, story from Acts 8, Apostle Philip coming alongside the wagon of the Ethiopian eunuch, and uh, he sees this uh, this person read the scroll of Isaiah, and he asks them, do you understand what you read? And the Ethiopian says, how can I if, if nobody explains it to me? And that's really the, the concept of what we try to do is coming alongside like a Philip to people that, you know, want to be in the Word of God. And what we see there is this guy has the scroll, so he has access to the Word of God, which we provide through the Bibles. Uh, but we also provide the gift of a believer, the gift of somebody that comes alongside. Um, and that's the heart of our ministry. Yeah, I love it. I think that is really wonderful. It's fantastic. Otherwise, people could get lost in what they're reading, just like the Ethiopian eunuch was getting lost, and he didn't know of whom, you know, is this person speaking, himself or some other person. So, yeah, absolutely, having someone come alongside makes a difference. Mm. But, Yos, you know that I am especially passionate about the continent of Africa. So, tell us what you're doing in Africa and why you're doing the specific things there. Yeah, we have a lot of ministry going on in Africa in uh, in different regions. It's an incredibly large continent. I think sometimes we, you know, we think Africa is just one one country, but it's 1.3 billion people divided over, you know, tens and tens of countries. So we have uh, ministry work in the northern Africa region, uh, which, you know, is Egypt and and some of the northern countries. Uh, We have ministry in eastern Africa and western Africa and southern Africa and really different approaches in, in different areas as we serve there. Give us some examples of what's different, because I'm sure the different regions need different things. So give us some examples, something specific about that. Yeah, I mean, there's countries that, um, you know, have religions that are not always friendly towards uh, Christian faith. So it's, you know, Christianity is a, is a minority, uh, and there's a lot of support needed there. So that, that just, you know, changes the way you do ministry. You contextualize to what do people know and where they come from and what, you know, what is their original religion. There's countries where Christianity is much more present, uh, but some say that Christianity is there, but it's not always as deep as we want it to be. You know, there's a need for further discipleship and and further church planting and really a focus on using the Word of God in ministry. Uh, So those are kind of the two different scenarios already in in Africa. Then there's countries where uh, the access to the Word is easier than in others. Uh, we have uh, take Madagascar, which is an incredibly hard country to work. With just the the lack of infrastructure in that country brings this whole new level of challenges in getting the word to you know remote places. You know, some years ago, Yos, I had an opportunity to go to Ghana, and one of mm. the things that surprised me when I was in Ghana is how many Christians really are in that country, and people who are serious, and even their little roadside businesses, they have named them after many different Christian names and so on, and some really powerful churches exist there as well. And so I think that it's heartening to see that all the way across the globe, in other regions and in other countries, there are people just as committed to serving God as we might find here in the U.S., the Netherlands, or wherever else. Yeah, I, I love how you say that, because we are not bringing as a ministry the passion and the love for Christ uh, to those churches. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. You know, He is working in those countries. And I often say that when we come alongside, the Holy Spirit was already working over there with the local Christians. And He is just bringing us in to, to help a little bit and bring some support. But we're not in the driver's seat. Uh, you know, we're not initiating. That's the Holy Spirit in partnership with the local church uh, who's doing that. You know, that's a really important point where you've got the local church working, you've got the Holy Spirit working, and then ministries like the Bible League. Yost, tell us maybe a story or so about someone's life that has been changed, some impact that you have seen as a result of the work of the Bible League. An example from Africa, I was there uh, 
last year I was visiting South Africa and we had an opportunity to go into some of the, the, the mining towns in the north of South Africa. And those communities are incredibly poor and there's a lot of crime, a lot of issues, small communities that uh, there's workers, but there's a lot of the world in those communities. And we met this uh, younger lady who uh, wasn't a Christian. She was basically selling herself to the community and to the workers. And uh, she came to the Lord and she was so passionate. Just meeting her, the, the energy and the passion just radiated out of her. She wanted to do ministry, but didn't know how. So where Bible came in there was to really give some reference, give some framework for her and give the materials to basically help her to do ministry. So it's a great example of how a life transformed to a life following Jesus, but also how a life transformed in terms of giving her some framework to do the ministry. And uh, the passion was there and, and now she has the tools and the, and the strategy. So from what you know, what is different about her life and what's different in her community because she's sharing with others? Her life was changed so much that people picked up on her change. She lived differently. She presented herself differently. She actually wanted to plant a church and a non-Christian in that community donated a building to her in order to plant the church. That person donated that building because they saw the change in that lady. And now she is serving children, she's serving adults, she's doing church services all out of that building. Uh, so dramatic change. That's amazing. It's amazing that her life transformation was so profound that she actually had partners, if you will, to come alongside her in order to do the work that was in her heart to do. And I could just picture her like a happier person one who knows that she's living her life really for the glory of God, as opposed to having to, to live a more degrading life of selling yourself. That's a degrading life day in and day out. So that's a huge change for that woman's life and also for the community as she's planning the church there. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that example. Now, let me just turn to you a little bit personally and ask you, what first attracted you to the Bible League? I didn't know Bible League before I got there. So it's actually hard to answer that question because in a certain way, I wasn't necessarily attracted to Bible League. I was attracted to mission and, and I really wanted to serve the Lord. And I was, I was seeking how to. You know, what attracted me to Bible League it really is what attracted me to mission. And, and that was just a passion for, you know, for God and for the Word and to be part of the Great Commission. I recall that as you were attracted to mission, which was a little bit different too, given your background, because that wasn't a natural part of how you grew up or necessarily what your parents were doing. How did that seed get planted, even for mission itself? So I came to faith at the end of my teenage years, and I grew up in the church, but it was never really like super alive. I, you know, I sometimes say I learned a lot in my head. But there was no line uh, to my heart, and, and that really happened uh, at the end of my teenage years. And that was such a great experience that it just led me to constantly think about, you know, how can I serve God and, and how can I be part of what he's doing? But I didn't have any idea of, of global mission and organizations like Bible League, that they existed, what they were doing, what the scope of their work was. I literally had no idea about that. I know that at one point you were working for a businessman and he sort of made an interesting phone call ostensibly on your behalf. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, that was a really funny event, but uh, I worked for a, a Christian businessman and he was a great mentor to me. I think he led his company in just a really, in a Christian way, the way he treated his employees, the, the way he treated his customers, just a really great guy. And we talked a lot about faith and he knew of my desire. And so at one point, um, I was sitting in his office and he got a call from Bible League. So he didn't initiate the call, but the, the guy from Bible League called him to give him some ministry updates, talk about you know what God is doing around the world. And uh, at the end of the conversation, he basically turned towards the Bible League guy and said, hey, I, I have a guy here uh, that would like to work for you. That was kind of a, uh, a cool move, a very surprising one and quite funny uh, because... I did not present myself or apply. It was uh, him who just courageously 
express that sentence. That's amazing. I often think about the fact that God knows what our heart is. He also knows what his purpose is for us. And he'll bring people alongside to open doors like that, that we had no idea we even were knocking on that door because we weren't. <laughs> However, the door opens on our behalf in any case. And so to me, that's an amazing story in and of itself. Yeah, it, it has always given me that, you know, confirmation. And it was for us, for both me and my wife, to make the decision to go to Bible League. The way that happened, it was hard to deny, you know, that that was something from God. I mean, it was so special. It was so strange. That in itself was helpful in determining, God, are, are you in this? Are you leading us towards Bible League? And the answer was yes. Well, you know, certainly... I would say unusual for this Christian businessman to be on the phone and to say you wanted to work for Bible League. What else was kind of unusual in the unfolding of this opportunity such that you knew this was a God opportunity? And say a little bit more about even how you met your wife and what role she has in passion for ministry too. I met my wife uh, during the, that time too that, uh, you know, fate really became the most important thing in, in my life. And uh, I think she was already a lot further in her faith walk, which was really wonderful. And we just talked a lot about it in, in the beginning of our relationship. And what does this mean for our relationship? And should we do ministry together? We explored ways on how can we do that? And, um, you know, did children's camps and did some other things in the Netherlands just together to, to just explore what does God have in store for us? So it was a little bit of a harder question too, because my study background was international business and management. You know, you don't do that study necessarily to get into ministry. I think that was another harder one to kind of bring together for me personally. It's, it's you know, how can God use that in the ministry world? How that came together for me at Bible League was when they invited me to come and have a conversation. They basically said, hey, we need somebody that can look at finance, that can look at our organization, that can look at some marketing and, and things like that. And I was like, wow, that was part of my background. And um, I didn't know I, I could use that in ministry and serve people with that. So that was just a great how that all came together. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I really wanted to talk about that too, your international business background. You know what? God has people across the globe in every field, and he can use pretty much every field for his ministry purposes. And your story is a profound example of that, because it sounds like everything you studied in school, you're applying now at Bible League. Yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, what you get, what you learn in school is, you know, it's just the beginning seed of what you learn through life. But it, it definitely has been uh, a blessing to have done that studies and to prepare for just global work, for international work. You're absolutely right about the fact that God can use everybody and any anything to to be part of His ministry. Absolutely. So now that you've been with the Bible League for a while. And you've held many different roles all along the way, and you've articulated somewhat your value to the Bible League. What has been your learning from the Bible League? What have you learned? What value have you gained as a result of being there? Oh, that is, there are so many. <laughs> uh, I think the first one is just the value of relationships in ministry. I've learned so much from the church globally, from meeting brothers and sisters on all continents, uh, in all kinds of situations. They've poured into me, they've mentored me, you know, we've been walking alongside, you build friendships, uh, just the values that you learn from all those relationships. It's just what a rich experience. I'm sometimes pinching myself, like, God, why, why did you give me the opportunity to, you know, to meet so many people? So I would say that the value of relationships is one key one that I've, I've learned so much through these years. I know you have four children and your children are growing up in the United States now. And tell us a little bit about what their experience has been, how you see their lives also being enriched by the association with the Bible League, and what else are they learning from global exposures? You know, moving uh, for kids is a big, it's a big step, and uh, it's it's moving away from family. Uh, it's moving into another culture, into another language. 
Um, so the just the experience for them to be exposed to a different way of living and learning a new language, which incredibly they do so quickly. They are like sponges. Um, but I think I think it has opened up their world. And on the same time, living in the U.S. has become their world now. So it's it's it, it became a normal for them. And of course, we've tried to explain them you know why why are we moving and and you know what are we doing and where are we working try to pour that into them as well what do they say to you about what they have experienced as a result of all of this and what is it like for them when they go back to the netherlands to visit going back to the netherlands is typically family visits so that's the that's the center point of our travel you know i think they like the travel the dynamic of doing that we uh, you know sometimes people ask us how what how is it to travel with four kids you know go through all the airport uh, uh, privileges and and hoops and it's like you know our kids are just coming following us and they're pretty easy travelers so that is a that's kind of a special thing but no travel um, and going back there is really centered around making sure that the family connection stays strong visiting grandma and grandpa uh, seeing the cousins you know the nephews and the nieces you know the experience of them moving it's even different for all of our kids uh, our oldest is 16 he has much more experience in the netherlands then my youngest, who was only one when we left. So she is basically an American kid. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, the age difference would certainly make a difference in terms of the impact. Almost yeah. since then, you have an opportunity to sort of raise up the next generation, if you will, of contributors to the kingdom of God, whether they go into mission work like you're in or something else. It's certainly a great foundation. And you mentioned relationships again as a thread. They're having global relationships from an early age. Yeah, you know, that that's really, really cool. I remember when my uh, son was like six or seven uh, at school, they asked him to do a, like a presentation about a country. And so I said, well, I work with uh, this, this lady in Russia. Uh, she's my colleague. Maybe you can interview her. And then you can use that as the basis for your presentation at school. So here was this, you know, six, seven-year-old kid, uh, have, you know, sitting in Zoom with my colleague in Russia, and asking questions and getting input of what uh, what she was doing in Russia and just learning about that culture and that country. And he was then, you know, bringing that back to his class. So yeah, they definitely had some more privileges to be have encounters with. The global environment and then also of course when you have international visitors within bible league they you know you invite them over for dinner and so they have the opportunity to meet so many people you know i really love that it reminds me of the opportunity for children who are in military families and they're traveling all over the globe living in different countries learning different languages having friends from many different backgrounds and i like the broadening experience of it mm -hmm. because you get out of the insular definition of your own culture and sometimes it can break down some walls that could be set up because of preconceived notions about other people and once you engage those people you learn a whole lot more than what you thought you knew yeah absolutely correct although some of that insular dynamic kind of happens again once you are in in the new country because that's where they grew up so you still have to be very intentional about exposing to different cultures yeah we've had a couple of opportunities there last year i i was so very privileged to be able to bring my son uh, with me on a trip to brazil you know he could be exposed to the mission work and see you know the the the, the grassroots church in some of the poorer areas in in brazil so that was a great opportunity yeah, I love the fact that you say you have to be intentional with the mm -hmm. exposure and making sure that your children continue to meet people from all over the place and you take them on some of these trips as well. You know, you mentioned Brazil and you and I had a prior conversation and I learned something I didn't know, which was that during the slave trade years, when there were slaves on the ship, enslaved people on the ship who got ill, they were often dropped off in Brazil before you even got to, let's say, the United States territories. And tell us a little bit about what's happened to those people since that time. The ones they were left 
with the notion that they probably would die. However, many survived and they have uh, descendants. It was a really great learning experience for, for me as well. We visited the uh, the north east side of Brazil, which is one of the the poorer areas of that country. What I learned was the, the north coast of Brazil was basically a stop for slave traders to on their way to the Caribbean and North America. You know, they would get fresh water and all that kind of stuff, but uh, they also left those that are weak uh, or about to die on those coastlines. And uh, some of those uh, formed their own communities and they still uh, have their children and great, great, you know, the great children of those people basically formed communities and still live there. Some of them live in the poorest circumstances. We visited a community where a lot of the houses are still sticks with clay in there, uh, with dirt floors and then really underprivileged communities. Um, so Bible League is uh, supporting some of them. Um, we have a couple of church planters that are doing work there and have reached out to families and, and really uh, start building Christian community there. So that was a, a, a great experience. You know, I'm always amazed by how God gets the last word on who lives and dies, you know, and people continue to live and thrive even under difficult circumstances, no matter where they may be. And that's always encouragement to me to know that God cares about people, even if people don't care about certain people. You know, I think the joy that you see in those people is just very special. I don't know. I think joy sometimes radiates even stronger in circumstances that are poor and in our eyes are, are really kind of inhumane. They're, the joy of Christ shines even brighter in, in those circumstances. So it's that's absolutely right. You know, God builds his own testimony um, in those areas. Yeah, as you're speaking right now, I'm thinking of the verse that says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so I might not have any other strength, but I certainly have strength in the Lord, and that's where joy comes from in these really dire, difficult circumstances. And those of us who are more privileged would do well to take a page out of that book, too, and live the same way. So now, Yos, tell us about something that's going on right now. Maybe it's not in Africa. Maybe it's in another place or another region that you are particularly excited about. Those are such hard questions because there's so much excitement going on uh, with last uh, the other a thing that I, uh, I had an opportunity last year uh, to go to Peru and we visited this pastor in the Amazon. He is intentionally you know, living in smaller communities in the in the jungle, uh, only reachable by boat. His vision is to reach 200 communities for Christ. And I was just amazed by one, the fact that I mentioned earlier is that the spirit is already working. He is calling people in his ministry he's equipping people with the the passion and the love for for the gospel and being there and meeting this guy and him showing us around in his community sharing what his vision is for that community was just amazing and it just gave, gave me another picture of wow the opportunities are just without limit if god is part of it it's just something that we're just trying to do catch up <laughs> What you're saying now reminds me of the book by uh, Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. And the whole notion of that book is that we end up working where God is working. And because he's already there and he's already prepared the ground and that's made it fertile for the seed that's going to be sown and so on, it makes a difference. I mean, we definitely don't want to be where God doesn't want us to be or where God's not working yet because that's going to be futile work in many respects. It sort of like reminds us of who is really doing the work. We're just kind of like partners on the journey, but God is really the one doing the work. Yeah, one of my favorite stories on, in ministry is the story of Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament, uh, I think the second book of Chronicles. And there's this big army that approaches Jerusalem. And of course, they are fearful and they uh, humble themselves before the Lord. And then the Lord speaks through one of the prophets. And um, basically what he says is, don't you guys worry because this battle is not your battle. This is my battle. I think we always have to remind ourselves that in ministry. You know, we're not convincing people to follow Christ. That's the Holy Spirit's work. Uh, what our work is, is to be the feet, the hand and the feet and to bring the good news and to share it and to share our testimonies. 
Absolutely. And I know that you're also doing profound work for women and also for children. And the reason I mentioned women is because in many countries, women are disempowered and they really don't have a voice and it's difficult for them to live day to day. Tell us a little bit about what Bible League is doing for women and children. Yeah, I think that's part of the, the the training component of our work and of our mission is to equip local churches to you know take our programs and take our materials, and I think part of training is empowering, is is equipping, is is allowing people that don't have that opportunity to now step up and be part of of something bigger. And I think that's what what our program does. And got an example from our ministry in Northern Africa. Um, I won't mention exactly, uh, you know, where that is, but we were able to meet this small group who is doing our Bible-based literacy program. And basically, a lot of the women in those communities are—they uh, stopped doing school after a few, few years. They, they hardly read, they hardly write. They're bound to their home, to their street, because that's how that culture works. Um, they serve the family, they serve the farms, they serve their husbands. We're doing Bible-based literacy groups there, which are scripture-based. The women that go there have an opportunity to read and to write, and they have an opportunity to get to know Jesus Christ through that material. And we were able to visit one of those groups, and it's just really great to see how they are empowered and how special it is for them to be in a setting like that and to be provided with that education. It's wonderful. It just gives them that extra step, uh, that extra level up to be engaging with, with other people. Such a joy to see that. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was thinking about the Bible literacy program, how that people are learning a life skill, you know, in addition to learning about God and having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, just are improving their lives in general by learning to read and write. And they can give more to their families and also their communities with the additional skills. What impact is that having on the community in terms of the men? Are the men accepting of it? Do they see value in their wives being educated now that it's come to fruition? You know, I think that what what is key there is really our approach of equipping the local leaders. Ultimately, it's the, the local leaders that need to build trust relationships in their local communities. So key in this example is the Bible-based literacy teacher that we've trained is that she is somebody that is trusted in that local community, that she builds those relationships, that she listens and understands the dynamics of that community so that she is not interfering or disrespecting those dynamics, but that she's understanding them and within those is giving opportunities to these ladies to be part of those groups. And I think this girl that we have there, her name is Madeline, and she's just done a wonderful job in building that trust with that community. I love that too, because it's culturally relevant. It's not counterculture, it's going with the culture in a way that, like you say, trusted people who are part of the community. It's not done by outsiders coming in who even with good intentions don't really understand the depth of the culture or what the people actually believe in or how they live and all of that. So I think that makes it even more powerful and more likely to be effective. So that's a great strategy. Yeah, I've always loved that about about Bible League is to focus on just raising local, uh, you know, local community and local leaders. And we've, we, we are trying to do that through every level of our organization. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that you love to spend time with donors. Tell us a little bit about the donors. What is it that most inspires people to give to the Bible League? And how are they finding you? Because there may be many ways they do. You know, our donors love the Word of God. We just finished a little bit of a survey amongst our uh, our supporters. And we basically, we asked that same question to them. Like, what attracts you to Bible League? And the number one answer, the number two answer, the number three answer was get the word of God out into this world. You know, this is just really exciting. And um, in building that relationship, you learn a little bit more about, you know, why that is important to them. And, and that's where you discover, you know, the word of God has impact in their own life. 
and the word of God is shaping how they live their life and they want to share it with others. I mean, it's, it's really that simple. The passion for the word of God and the love to reach the non-reached with the word of God is really the, that's what drives people to give to us. Well, then I can say I must be like the others in the group because some years ago I met a person who was at the time, he was in charge of uh, Africa. His name was Joseph Owens. And he was also a participant in a leadership course that I was facilitating, which had ministry leaders from all over the world and different ministries. And he was part of that. I learned about the Bible League through him. And because I also had a passion for Africa, and he was telling me what was going on in Africa, it was a perfect match. It was the Bible, the Word of God, which I'm passionate about in terms of my giving and what I donate to. And it was also, there was an arm of it that was related to what was going on in Africa. I think the way I look at it, having been a descendant of someone who's come through the slave trade in the United States, is that maybe in some senses, God sent us here as the advanced party. And we are to give back even to where we came from. And there's a mutual exchange because, as I said, God has people there too. And so it's kind of like both and not necessarily one way. But when I visited Ghana and went to the slave castles, as they call them, which are really more like slave dungeons, what really struck me is that for anyone to make it through all of the gates of the slave trade, the the long walks to the dungeons, the long times being held in the dungeon, the long trip on the ships over here, and then the horrific conditions of slavery, and to be descended and still alive, that's a testament really to God's grace and power in preserving a remnant. And I always look for what is God's heart in that? You know, what is he calling me to do? And maybe others who've gone through these same circumstances and situations. I'm inspired by what what you just shared about, you know, your own story. And uh, it it reminds me, yesterday I was reading uh, with my my youngest daughter from one of our children's children's Bibles. Uh, We're right at the story of Joseph. And what I talked about with my daughter yesterday was how God is using something really bad because it, it was bad what the brothers did. It was bad what Potiphar did. It was bad that he was in prison. But how we use that whole journey to do something good and to continue his plan and add to his people. You just gave your own you know, version of that story. Um, and that is so exciting. And I think that's that's how God has been working all all the time, always working through the through the marginalized and and through the out of that direction that we're not expecting it from uh, through the remnants. Yeah, I can really relate to Joseph's story because of what I just shared with you for sure. And it's all a matter of perspective because if you really know God and the heart of God, you can see things through different eyes. So, for example, in Ghana, at those doorways that are called the doors of no return, there are people there, some of whom from the United States who are part of leading these tours and expeditions. And what they want to do is to whip up a sense of fury and a sense of anger and so on and so forth. And I couldn't help but feel just so awed by the fact that God had preserved me as part of a remnant. And there was nothing to be sad about in that because that took a move of God to happen. I'm always grateful about it. And I'm always thinking, okay, Lord, you saved me for a reason and a purpose. And so let me always be sensitive to what that is and how you want me to serve and how you want me to give back. And that's a choice, you know, because we don't have to look at things that way. However, we can if we want to. That's great. I I think that, uh, you know, we... Well, one, one aspect of that is we, we have to listen and we have to learn from those stories. You know, in a global ministry and in a global environment, you're just going to, you're going to meet people that have such a different story, such a different background. And sometimes those are painful backgrounds, you know, because of historical relationships that have, that have taken place. Then what comes out of that is, you know, what's the result that comes out of that? Is it, is it anger or is it, um, is it frustration or, or, 
Is it putting people against each other? You know, I think we're called to build unity. And that's what we strive for in, in Bible League as well. And, in, in, you know, we have this expression, unity and diversity, to appreciate and respect and value the different storylines, but then ultimately to bring it together, because that was Jesus' prayer, that we are united so that the world will know that, that I'm the Son of God, that Jesus is the Son of God. So I love what you just shared there. Yeah, I think these stories, when we share them with each other, encourage one another, really. Yes. And we get to see what else God is doing beyond just what we know in our own lives or our own family backgrounds and traditions and so on. So I really do appreciate hearing about what other people are experiencing and what they've come through as well. So I can celebrate God's enduring love, God's enduring presence, and how, just like he says in Romans 8, 28, that all things will work together for our good. He doesn't say they're all good, but they he will work them together. Very good, and I do think that's really important. So, Yils, how can people reach the Bible League if they want to learn more or if they want to donate to the ministry? To learn more is you can go to our website, www.bibleleague.org, and there's some great resources there and videos and just uh, stories about how God is using this ministry. Uh, that's really our heart is to share with you, to share with others what God is doing. And we believe if you see that and you get excited, well, then you have an opportunity to partner with us, you know, and pray with us. And the website will, will guide you to whatever you want to do uh, with us. There's, uh, there's plenty of opportunity to engage. Wonderful. Thank you for letting people know. As, again, it's BibleLeague.org if they want to know more and also want to participate in multiple different ways. So as we think about the Bible League today, where you've come from, from the past, and where you're going. Let's take a look out into the future a little bit. What is next for Bible League? What are some of the big things that are on the horizon that you want to see happen for the ministry? What's out there? Yeah, a couple of things. And uh, one on a leadership level, we are continuing to pour into, you know, raising up leaders all around the world uh, so that it is truly a league. You know, this is not a ministry that we try to organize hierarchically and there's just, you know, one director or one country that dominates what we do together. We are raising leaders in all areas of the world so that we create this body that listens to each other and that works together um, equally. So we're very excited about that and what God is going to do, you know, through all of that. Actually, I like that word, league. That's pretty, I hadn't really thought about it. That's pretty good, which reminds me, tell us a little bit about the history of the organization, how it started, how it even became Bible League. The history, it started 85 years ago this year. Uh, so we are uh, in a year of celebration and uh, celebrating the founding story. There was a businessman, his name was William Chapman, and he was uh, on a sickbed, basically. And I was thinking about his own life and what his relationship with the Lord was. And this elder came to him and prayed over him. And really that prayer um, seeded this call into his life and, and made him say, hey, if I get out of this, I need to start serving the Lord. Well, you have to kind of watch out what you say to the Lord because he got out of it. And now he, uh, he had to come up with a way to serve the Lord. And he bought, basically bought a few Bibles and started knocking on doors and asking people, do you have a Bible? And two, if I give you one, would you promise to read it? And that was the start of a ministry. Uh, it was the start of a movement. I love it. I mean, yes, that story to me is very profound. Again, he was probably being called by God all along, just didn't know it. And on the sickbed, God got its attention. And then he started in a small way, and now it's become a much larger entity. And the word league does really say that, because that means not alone, it's with others, it's with groups of people. So that is profound. I love the idea of raising up more leaders and so on. So, Yos, what about you? You are now the CEO. You are the president of the organization, sort of the top of the house. What's next for you, wherever, whether it's Bible League, your own personal life, what's next on your agenda? 
For me, next on my agenda is just to keep serving the Lord. You know, maybe you were expecting these big, big visions. I try to be a, a part of the organization and to serve the organization in building the unity uh, amongst all the, the different partners and the donors and the board and being a voice for the leadership culture that we want to have in this organization. And I'm just really excited to continue to do that um, and to engage more people in the league. It's not a, a big plan. It's not a big vision. It's it's what our vision statement says. We engage everyone in God's word. And what that one stands for, it's it's one relationship at a time. And so we're going, we're, we're just continuing to faithfully walk that path as long as the Lord wants me to do that. Sometimes people ask me, what are your plans in, you know, are you, are you planning to go back to the Netherlands? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know what God is going to do. Um, we, we'll just try to obey and follow him. Well, you know, coming from you, that makes perfectly good sense, because how did you get to the Bible League to begin with? It wasn't exactly. part of your strategic plan, right? It was just a door that God opened. And so you're saying, I'm going to continue to be open to God's leading into the doors that he opens. And when he does, we'll walk right through it. One of the things you said, you talked about unity and diversity, and you talked about all of these different diverse ministries around the globe. It is difficult for international ministries to have the kind of unity that you're talking about. What are some of the secrets of success for unity in diversity of that magnitude? That really has to do with the leadership culture. And that's, you know, and that is what I'm excited about for even my role in, in Bible League is to continue to uh, advocate for building our culture as a, as a league. Um, because when within that culture, a lot of great things can happen. And uh, we define that culture by, you know, first prayer. We need to have a, a, a praying uh, atmosphere here at Bible League. Prayer needs to be not just a word. It needs to be an activity. Uh, we dedicate time towards that globally. The second one is, you know, back to that relationships, constantly building relationships with each other and coming with the question of, you know, the, the example of Jesus in John 13, and that is how do we wash each other's feet? How can I serve you today? And part of how we do that is, you know, learn and listen to each other. Don't draw conclusions too quickly on each other. Truly seek to understand each other in the ministry context and how we can help you in fulfilling your call from God in, in ministry. So it's it's all those things that we continue to promote and and shape in our organizations and create those rhythms that that can happen that those voices can be heard that that feedback can can come back to you know where where it needs to be um, in our ministry so a very yeah very exciting things to be part of you know i really love the fact that you included listening to understand you know, others and what's going on with them and serving in such a way that you're really trying to uplift and elevate what another person may be doing in their ministry. And you really wrapped the whole thing in prayer. And I'll tell you something I learned from Billy Graham, and that is Billy Graham spent hours a day praying. Everything was wrapped in prayer. And I really think that had a lot to do with the open doors that he experienced in his ministry as well. So you are definitely on the right track in terms of the culture that you're trying to build that will be significant and make a difference. So that's phenomenal. So Yos, what additional words of wisdom do you want to leave for my community of corporate executives, those who are leading as presidents and CEOs in secular corporations out there and who also want to lead in such a way that it's honoring to God? Uh, that's a great question. I'm, we sometimes get people that, that transition from the corporate world into um, into our ministry, and I'm an example of transitioning from a corporation into the ministry. I think I, one of the key things that in Christian leadership, whether, whether you are in a ministry setting or in a business setting, is to trust the people you work with and to listen to them. People want to be heard and people want to want to serve. They want to be part of something. And one of the things that I think is, has been great in our 
uh, setting here at Bible League is that people appreciate to be part of something bigger and that they appreciate to be listened to. So if I, if I had to say one thing is trust your people and listen to them, build those relationships. So it all comes back to relationships again. Amen. Watchword of the day. I love it. Okay. Thank you so much, Yos, for being here with me and being part of uh, Voice of Leadership and Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership. I really appreciate hearing from you. Thank you so much for that opportunity. You are most welcome. And I'm going to close today with some verses that I know are near and dear to your heart. And these are really the Great Commission. So this comes from Matthew 28 and verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So to everyone out there, we are all part of this great commission. So let us all go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and to make sure that they have Bibles and discipleship tools in order to live their life in Christ. And you already know now of an additional resource. So feel free to reach out to Bible League at BibleLeague.org. See you next time. Hello, it's Dr. Karen here, and I'm here to celebrate the work of the Bible League, which is a global ministry that provides Bibles, ministry study materials, and through activities like Project Philip, also teaches and trains local people in how to share the Word of God. So today, the president and CEO of Bible League, Yos Snoop, is with me to share a little bit more about what the Bible League is doing. Yeah, the beauty of the local church is that it is the body of Christ, and it is the Holy Spirit that is calling the, the local church to be engaged in the Great Commission. As Bible League, we just come alongside those local pastors. Last year, I met a pastor. His name is Rolando in the Amazon, and he has this great vision to reach 200 communities with the Word of God. And we're able to come alongside them and help them with Bibles and resources. Thank you so much, Yos. We are all partners together. You, the Bible League, are the hands and feet to the local people on the ground, and there are partners and donors out there who can be hands and feet to you as you also share with others. So those of you who are listening, if you want to be part of this ministry, and I invite you to be a part of it, I'm a part of it, go to BibleLeague.org, see more about the ministry, and see how you can participate and donate. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.